Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Awesome, awesome. Man, I'm so excited for that. Our church is blessed with an incredible kids' church director. If you haven't taken a minute, if you see Ashley ever, anywhere, just tell her thank you. She, and even if you don't have kids in there, thank you, Ashley, for being you and the impact you're having woof, everywhere. Everything you touch is beautiful. So uh, we love kids. We love people who love kids. And we're excited for this day and all that's coming up. But my name is Sophia. My husband and I are lead pastors. And uh, my husband is Tony. He was just up here. We always, we often do this where he'll refer to me and he'll say my wife. But then a lot of people are like, right, but which one would that be? And we don't ever make the connection that that was my husband and I am his wife. So now in one, in one fell swoop, now you know. Um, so it's really good to have you here. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. Such a special day. I love Mother's Day, not just because I love attention and chocolate and getting spoiled by my husband and children, but I love, I love that motherhood is one of the most beautiful ways that we get to see the heart of God. We get to see the beautiful heart of the Father through expressions in motherhood in so many ways. And I sometimes feel like it's an underutilized, underappreciated, underspoken about topic about how incredible it is to mother with the heart of God, the heart of the Father. And sometimes like, well, how can it be? The heart of the Father in a mother. Well, I want, to, I want us to learn about it. And I have chosen someone that we get to learn from from the Bible who is wildly underappreciated, I think. We don't talk about this woman enough, and I'm wanting to change that. So we're going to read the, our main scripture for today, and I'm a little bit old-fashioned, so I like to stand for the reading of the word. Let's stand to our feet, and we're going to open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 46, and I read out of the ESV. Uh, it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. And we get to talk today about what I like to call the great interruption interrupted. Mothers, are we not experts at dealing with interruptions? <laughs> you ever had a play date? You ever, you ever have a young mom over when you've got young kids? You say, come over, let's have coffee, let's talk. We never get to talk. You should come hang out. We'll let the kids play and we'll finally get to actually talk. And then we sit down for our lovely little play date and there's a few kids, many kids usually, and two mothers who just want to have a conversation. And uh, they are, they get started, they, they serve their coffee, and it's already cold. And they, by the time we're in like our first, so talk to me about your week last week. In that first sentence, boom, somebody calls you, mom, he's hitting me, that's my toy, I was using that. So you get up and you go resolve it, then you come back, okay, where were we? So yeah, I know, me too, mom, and it's constant. I think the longest, there was one time that I had a group of moms over, and we set a timer. And we decided, let's just make a game of it. Let's see how long we can go without one of us having to go run to the other side for something. And it's always, it's a good thing we do go because the things that we walk in on. So the interruption is important, but we know what it is to be totally knocked off track and have to go take care of something else. And that is what very much happened in the life of Mary. And what we just read was just, that's our theme scripture for today, but I want us to dig a little bit deeper in the context of why that's what she said. Why did she say those words? Where did it come from? What led her to that? And I, I want, I think something that unfortunate happened in church history is when the Protestant church separated from the Catholic church, 
I think maybe we took it a little too far with erasing Mary from our conversation. I think that in, in an effort to make sure that we're getting it right, maybe we should go back and think, should we have totally never spoken of this woman and learned from her? Because I think she's pretty amazing. So I want to, let's just bring her back. Let's make sure she stays as part of our beautiful church history and the story of humanity and what God has done. And I want to talk about her. I want to talk about what we get to learn. Because the reason that, I, the reason why there are so many stories in your Bible, it's because we learn through stories. We take in information by hearing each other's stories. I think all of us know of a moment when we were like, we're talking with somebody and we hear their story and it's hearing their story that impacts us more than anything. Getting to know what they do for a living or what their hobbies are or little facts about the person, it's nice, it's interesting, but when someone tells you their story, you, you gain a connection, you gain a deeper understanding and a better, a better appreciation for who they are and what their life looks like now. And so Mary has a story, and I want to encourage all of us that even though we're gonna talk about a woman in the Bible, this is not just for women to learn from her story. We have such a blessing of, in the word of God, having so many written testimonies, stories of men and women who, the men and women of God for generations who, we learn a lot of things through their lives, sometimes because they royally blow it, sometimes because they're an exemplary, they're a wonderful example, and so we get to emulate things. But a lot of times, I know that this happens as a woman, I will go to the Christian bookstore, which doesn't exist anymore. So sad. That is so sad. Remember when you could go shopping for Christian books? <sighs> Bring one back. But we, you go there, and there's you go to the devotionals, and there's so many books about the different people in the Bible. Most of them that are on our shelves are men. Just the numbers, the just majority. We're, we read all the time devotionals that are written for women about men in the Bible. But I think if we were to ask honestly, men, how many times have you been given a devotional or led into a devotional about a story of a woman in a Bible so that for you as a man? And I think, I wonder if maybe we're missing a little bit of something that if we could learn from each other in a broader way than maybe we have before, that we all have something to offer mutually to each other. And I don't want this message to be a message that, well, since it's Mother's Day, the pastor's wife is going to speak to the women. I want us to all just read the word of God together and take out of it what is good for all of us. So let's talk about it. I want to open this up. And I, I think that something we should really understand is that no one in all of human history had the sort of interruption that Mary had. Nobody has ever, before or since, been that divinely interrupted. I mean, there are, you know, pillars of if biblical history, men like Abraham and Moses, their lives were big time interrupted, right? Like, okay, Abraham, he's 100 years old, and he gets the news, it's a boy! At a hundred years old, like that, would, that would rattle any of us. There, that is absolutely an interruption to what you thought would be your life, okay? I think even, gosh, even hearing that at 50, 40, who knows? You name your number. Be, ah, now? So that's an interruption. There's tons of stories like that. I mean, Moses was running for his life. He did something kind of shady. He had to run. He had to escape. And he's just fleeing. And God says, huh, no, 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 stop. I'm lighting this bush on fire and it's going to catch your attention because it's on fire, but it's not like burning up. So big interruption, God stops. And a lot of times the way God interrupts, it really is rather startling. You're like, sorry, you did what? For, hmm? It's very rattling the way God gets involved and it has to interrupt stories sometimes. And the, no one else quite like Mary was this interrupted. No one else held the son of the living God in her womb or in her arms. I mean, wow. There's, there's, no, there's, there's nothing else quite like it. And I do want to open up again to Luke 1. And I want to go a little bit farther back and look at a scripture to give some context before I break out my five points. You see, some people like to one-up their spouses. I like to two up my spouse. So, 
I have five points, which is significantly better than three. And if we're late, it's, be, it's not my fault. But, okay, so I want to go a little farther back. And I want to start at verse 26. I want you, when you go home, please read the entire first two chapters of Luke. Do yourself a favor as a follow-up. Yes, I'm giving you homework. I'm a teacher at heart, and you have homework. I want you to read Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. Do it. So I'm going to read verse 26, and I'm going to read so fast, but you'll catch it, and I'm going to pause on a couple of things. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Notice there, we just saw the word favor two times. This woman was just called favored two times by an angel of the Lord. So my, that leads me, that's my first point. I want to talk about Mary's favor. I want to talk about Mary's favor because I think sometimes we don't fully capture what it means to be favored by God. We all know what like a favorite is, right? Like you have your favorite food, you have your favorite movie, you have a favorite sports team. I do not have a favorite sports team. You might, you probably do, but I, all I do is whatever Seth tells me to do. And he says, go beeves. So go beeves. This is what we do. So I don't actually even know what sport that refers to, but <laughs> sport ball. <laughs> but we, if I asked you, what's your favorite color and why is it pink? Well, it's because pink is the best color. But like, I could ask you, what's your favorite anything? And you could, you could answer, you could say, I like this, I have a favorite this, I have a favorite that. But it's not the same, the word favorite in our context is not the same thing as being favored by God. It's not the same as God's favor. Because one thing that I think is really incredible about this story, when she says she's, when we hear that she's favored by God, something incredible is that she's about to become very unfavored in her world. She's going, she will, she's about to become, by, because of the message she just received, by all intents and purposes, that puts her in the least favored position or category that anybody in that time could possibly be in. I mean, she's, she's, she's told by God, you're favored, you're blessed, you're favored. But she's thinking, oh, this is not favorable this is not good. Like, this is terrifying. And I'm going to talk about why, why that, why that is. But she's very unfavored in the eyes of her community based on that message. Like she's a betrothed teenager. So she's betrothed, which is basically like being engaged, but like big time. Because in that context, in that time, an engagement was not at all what an engagement is now. An engagement now is like, Hey, I think I love you. We should get married. Here's a ring. But if I change my mind, maybe not. So it's a much more casual now than it was then. So uh, to be betrothed to somebody is totally legally binding. The marriage just hasn't become a full marriage because there's one final step that has to take place. But in every other way, she's legally already bound to somebody and has to be a virgin. There is no, you cannot be betrothed as a holy, pure Jewish woman. There, there is no way for you to become pregnant if you catch my drift, okay? You can, cannot be done. So the angel's giving her, she, he comes to her and he says to her not once but twice that she has found favor with God after a message like that. And, and the, the word favor, it comes from a Greek word and it, it's it's charis, but it, if you speak Greek, if you know anything about biblical Greek, that charis is how you pronounce it. And it's the same way that you say in the word evcharisto, which is how you say thank you in Greek. So it's, but it means grace upon you. Grace upon you. So it's not just favor, like you're getting a promotion, you're amazing, you're wonderful. It's grace on you. Grace. And oh boy, she was going to need it, right? Woo. If some grace on you, yes, I'll take it. Double portion, please. What are we going to do with this? And it's the same word, that grace, favor word, was the same word that was used about no, Moses 
and Noah and Joseph, Samuel, and then Jesus when he was 12. And it says he gained uh, favor in the eyes of men. So favor, the grace of God was resting on those people. And I think that what, what she needed to understand is that she had to take in this message, but what, what we need to understand is that it led her immediately and understandably to wrestling with some fear. So my next point is Mary's fear. Mary's her fear. I mean, she needed to know that a woman at that time in her position, the moment word got out that she was with child, she would immediately be taken by the men in her community to the town square in the, the hub of her village where everybody was, the market, everybody was there. Her hair, instead of being pulled back and hidden under a head covering, would be let down, long, let down hair, which is the hair, only prostitutes wore their hair that way. And there it was a sign that that is what you are. So she would have to be escorted into the town square, her hair let down and exposed, her clothes would be ripped, and she would be, everyone would know what to do. Everybody understood the assignment. This woman is going to stand there, and we're all going to gather around, and we're going to shame her. And we're going to call her terrible things, and we're going to expose her, and we're going to make her feel like the garbage that she is. That was the cultural understanding. And she knew that whatever... Whatever would happen because of this, I mean, she has to take this into consideration that this is very, very bad for me. I mean, she's 14, maybe 13, maybe 15, around that. She's a middle schooler, and she's just this girl from this nothing town, Nazareth, and she is a despised place. No one cares about it. We're all thinking about a town much like that that we all think of, but don't say it out loud because what if your neighbor's from there, okay? But we all can think of one, and... The angel basically says to this woman from nowhere, even though you're not married and you're still a virgin, you're going to give birth to the savior of the world. You know that Jewish Messiah who you've been waiting for and that you've been taught about? You're the one to birth him. It's you, an unknown girl from an unknown place. And you're gonna be the one to do it and it's gonna interrupt your life and it's gonna mess with your plans and it's going to wreck your peace and your sleep and your friendships and every inch of your world is going to change. But you, Mary, you're the one that's going to do this. His name's going to be Jesus, and one day he will sit on the throne of God and rule forever. Think, think about like that kind of a message being given to you. And, and the absolutely we would respond in fear. Couldn't be. And I think, I think I know why Mary's afraid. And I think sometimes we, I just want to put a different, a different way of thinking about why she's so afraid. I don't think she's afraid because the angel isn't coming. There's no angel. When am I going to be told about this message? It's that the angel is right there and he's waiting for an answer. I mean, the angel is right there. And she's in this quiet space, in the space between being told this kind of news and the, he's waiting for an answer. That's terrifying. And Mary nods her head in consent. And you know what she says? I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And I think, I mean, honestly, we could even probably just say, well, that's enough message for today. If we only adopted that mentality as we approach the Lord, I think our worlds would radically change. I think our communities would radically change. I think our marriages would radically change. I think everything would change. Because the, the, her posture was, I mean, obviously she's taken aback. We would also be very taken aback. But her posture was, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me, be fulfilled. Yeah. I'm your servant. I, I will just do what my master asks me to do because I'm your servant. So yeah, yes, I'll do it. So that's her response. That's Mary's response. And I think when we, when we consider Mary as a quiet sidebar to the story of Jesus, we miss the power of her response to God. 
I think we miss the powerful message that there is. Like Mary's yes was not a muffled consent that led her into a joyful pregnancy filled with baby showers and gender reveals and all these like, oh, I'm gonna totally bump photo, like all of the things. That is absolutely not it. And she, her response, it, she, she was faced immediately with a death threat. Like, and I think sometimes we don't even say yes to like things that are absolutely not death threaty at all. And we're like, oh, I, don't, I can't do it. That's too much. I'm not going to do it. But her response was, I'm your servant. Whatever you say. Yeah, let it come to pass. And it's, it's powerful because, you know, she's, she's asking herself questions like, what are the odds that my devout Jewish husband will abandon the custom of shaming a suspected adulteress? What are the odds of my community forgiving this? What are the odds that I would have any semblance of life after this. Because here's the thing, the angel did not give her any guarantees of like what it would look like afterward. He didn't say, but don't worry, you're gonna get married and then you're gonna like go on a honeymoon in Naples and it's gonna be so nice and I'm just gonna spare you from any of the difficulty that comes along with it, don't worry about it. So like the response came out of such a place of trust, such a place of trust and the risk that she had to take in saying yes to the Lord, I think she was able to take that risk because she knew who she was dealing with. I think that because she knew the stories of her people, she knew the story of her God that had been passed down from generation to generation, that, that her grandparents taught her, that her parents drilled into her, that this is what our God can do. He rescued our people from Egypt. He did this. He parted the sea. He brought water out of rocks. He, like, he, and they listed off, and this is drilled into her from a very young age. So she can confidently know, oh, we're talking about God? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? That's my God. So I know him. I know him. And I know that if he says that he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And I think that this, this points to the mothers in her life big time. Because who, as she's at home as a child and she's making the bread and she's cleaning and she's tending to things and she's with her mom learning the customs of her life, her mom is drilling into her these, these memorized prayers that have been prayed and sung from the beginning of time. She's saying, honey, did you know that story about the still small voice? Did you know that your great, 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 Rahab, or, you know, we can list, and she knows these stories of who her God is, what he's done before. It points to the importance, parents, grandparents, honorary grandparents, the the duty and the responsibility it is that we have to make sure that those stories don't stop with us. If no one had told Mary about who her God was, I don't think she would have given a yes. Would you say yes to somebody who said, give me every last penny you have, just give it, and just do it. <laughs> Nothing else, just I need you to do it because God, God's telling you to, don't worry. No, I'm gonna worry me big time. <laughs> Why would I do that? I don't know you. I don't know your character. I don't know if you've been worth trusting in the past. I've never heard about you, about how you operate. Why, what are you going to do? But because Mary had mothers in her life, had fathers, had people pouring into her and saying, this is who our God is, I think even though, yes, of course, she, was, she had to face the fear of what she was being asked, but she was able to stand confidently on something that was given to her. That even though she wasn't alive to see all of those stories, Somebody taught her. Somebody said, this is who God is. So if you ever run into him, say yes. You know, like we, we learn to trust because he's trustworthy. And what's really incredible is that Mary also knew the stories because of those who were pouring into her and teaching her. She also, in those stories, she also knew that God never promises relief from trouble. He doesn't say, I'm going to relieve the trouble that goes along with the yes but he does promise his presence during the trouble. 
He always says, and I will go with you. And I will go with you. I'll be there. I'll be with you the whole time. So he's not saying, I'm going to sterilize the path. I'm going to remove any hardship. Just say yes, and then everything's going to be peachy. What he's saying is, say yes, or let's go together. But I need you to do it. You're the human on the scene, so you got to do it. And when, when Mary is confronted with the option of how to respond, all of that information about the God that, were, that she was dealing with was already deep in her heart. And so moms, dads, let's pause and think. How can, what are we currently doing to make sure that those who are coming behind us they have the confidence to say yes like Mary said yes because someone told her that she was safe to say yes. Are we putting enough intentionality, time, effort, focus into pouring into our children, to other people's children, to make sure that these pillars of the faith that influenced the rest of humanity because of Mary are we doing what we can to make sure that those around us who have to take it after we're out of here, are we gonna make, are we gonna trust that they've got it? Let's make sure that they've got it. And let's remember that it is truly on us. If it's not us, who's gonna do it? So family is God's plan A, his design. And so we get to make sure that that design flourishes. And Mary worshipped this God. So she could say yes with great confidence in that God. Because her parents taught her, her grandparents taught her, so she knew she was safe to say yes. Safe doesn't mean free from what will ensue. But she was confident that he's a man of his word. And so we can be. One thing that happens in this story is I, I don't think we pause to contrast a couple things in this story in Luke chapter 1. I don't think we contrast a couple different things enough. And I today want us to look at something. And all due respect to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. But I want to talk about his response when the angel came and talked to him in comparison to Mary's response when the angel came and spoke with her. So I'm going to quickly turn to Luke chapter 1. There, there had to be someone to, to prepare the way for Jesus. Part of the prophecy before Jesus got on the scene was that there had to be somebody who prepared the way, who got there just before Jesus to prepare the people for their Savior. And that was going to be John the Baptist. John the Baptist needed to have parents. Someone had to birth the person. So the angel Gabriel went up to Zechariah just like he did to Mary. And he, he kind of said in you know, way back, I'm going to skip quite a bit, but in verse 8 is where I'm going to start, and I'm going to jump around, so don't even bother reading along. But I do want you to go home and read it. So now, while he was serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty, remember that word, according to the custom, remember that word, of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside the hour of the incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel back to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. So, first of all, imagine if someone said that about your kid. Well, that'd be just amazing. So that baby you're carrying, guess what he's going to be? I mean, wow, that would be incredible. I want someone to just say, woo, I'll take it, Lord. But what happened here that is very different from Mary's response is what happens next at verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent 
and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So I want you to note one thing. Zechariah was doing his duty as a holy man, as a, the priest. He had to go into the temple. He had to do certain things. It was custom, and he was nailing the customs. He had to do these rituals. But he completely, it seems, forgot why he was doing those things. The whole purpose of, of going into the temple that there was a priest is that they needed the presence of God. And these people were waiting for their Messiah. God, from the beginning of time, as soon as sin entered earth, he, God's heart was, I've got to get my kids back. I've got to get my kids back. I'll do anything to, to, to get back in community and relationship with my children, my people. And so these very devout Jewish people were doing their duty, and he was doing his duty. He had his robe, he was saying the right things, he was doing the right rituals, but he forgot his why. And the, th the thing that drove him originally to even do it, I think he completely lost sight of it. Because an angel came and said, that thing that you've all been desperately waiting for, it's happening. And instead of, finally, yes, oh, I'm just, like the joy that, would, that should come over him when he realizes, oh, it's my generation who gets to see it. Wow, that, that's the response. But instead he's like, prove it. I, do, do you not know how old I am? <laughs> I'm too old. My wife's infertile. And he just kind of got back to doing it. And so you know what? I, it turns out God invented the concept of if you don't have anything nice, you can't say anything at all. <laughs> well, buddy, if you're going to talk like that, it's better you just don't talk. Nope. Mm -mm. If, your word, if your mouth isn't going to say, wow, let it be so, Lord. Wow, thank you, Lord. It, uh, what an honor. What a privilege. What a joy. Let it be. It, the, 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 God's like, Mm, cuter if you don't speak. Mm -mm. And he, 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 he's going he's gonna to get to speak again after God proves himself right. God proves himself right because you know what the angel, the last thing the angel says? He says, like, either way this is happening. Like, God doesn't need you, Zechariah, to have the heart posture like Mary because either way it's your kid who's going to be the voice cry on the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord the thing that's been promised. Either way, God's doing it. And God's saying, I want you to joyfully join me, and I want your heart to be, oh, yeah, let's do it. This is terrifying. This is weird. Does it really make sense? I'm sure there's a 20-year-old who would love to have a baby. <laughs> oh, oh, well. God said, either way, I'm doing this thing. But Zechariah got a consequence and Mary got elevated and I really do think it all boils down to the heart posture of both of them one of them was could it be me the humility in the woman because if it weren't for her humility she'd be like of course it's me <laughs> yeah I told you I'd be the chosen one like, we all, we all know that that attitude exists. And, but it, it, that wasn't her response. It was like, for real, my womb. I mean, to be told that, that your womb is going to bring forth any child is an honor and a joy and a privilege. But to be told that your womb is bringing, home, bringing to this earth the Messiah, and her humility in saying, yes, Lord, if that's what you're saying, then let it be so. And I feel like if Mary, no, I think, it, I wonder if we've ever felt like, have you ever felt like God is giving you that moment where yeah, it would be nice if God would show up with an angel and literally tell us the assignment. I would really appreciate that sometimes. I could go for some clarity every now and then where he says, here's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be you, and then this is gonna happen, and that's how it's gonna go. That would be great. Did you hear that? I just, if you're, okay. But often it's not. It's totally not common that that's how it goes down. 
But have you ever felt that you're having that moment where God's nudging you and saying, I've got an assignment for you. Come, I want to tell you about it. That, that idea that you just can't get out of your head, that person who you just can't shake, like a situation that you cannot skirt, God just keeps grabbing it and putting it right in front of your path, and you're like, I'm going to go around. He's like, mm, here it is again. You go, okay, we're going to go this way. And we're stubborn, and every now and then we could do that for years. But God is always trying to get our attention, like he did with Zechariah and like he did with Mary, always. Because he wants you to have that moment. That moment, he's giving you the opportunity so often to, 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 to have that response of, Yes, Lord, whatever you're saying, let it be so. Yeah, I'm in. He wants you to have that moment. But here's what our typical responses are. And you hold your tomatoes, because I'm not like talking to you with what I'm about to say. Totally like other people in the world, don't worry. But we do this. We say, really, God? You want me to curb my angry narcissistic tendencies and truly extend your love and grace to others? Really, God, do you want my family to move to an un, to, from a comfortable, homogenous community to a struggling, diverse one so that we can truly start to understand what justice and community means? Really, God, do you want me to end my relationships with certain people so I could pursue better, more honest ones with others? I like these people. They validate my behavior. They don't ask me hard questions. Really, God, you have no idea how hard it would be to break my addiction. I cannot say to you, let it be so, because you really just have no idea what it would be like to live without my vice. So no. Really, God, if I say yes to your interruptions, my friends will mock me and maybe even stop being my friends. My life will change, and you just have no idea what that would be like. <laughs> He's so patient with us. He absolutely has an idea. For sure he has an idea. Really, God, you want me to speak truth and justice and risk my reputation and my position? God, you want me to downsize my life to free up finances for your kingdom instead of sizing up and getting that car I really want? I deserve to be happy. Often, and I, I really want to say always, but I know we're not supposed to say those kinds of statements. And just ask my husband that I'm working on it, not saying things like, you always do that. Where we say, you often. <laughs> but if you have a little bit of a Greek uh, zest to you, you say things like, I know I'm not supposed to say always, so I'm not gonna, but just know that I'm like thinking it. So, babe, you often cause me to... <laughs> I'm a work in progress, and I'm going to get there. That's going to be fun. <laughs> Hardy har har. So, often, often, but literally always, often, often a work of God comes with two sides. There's two sides. Great joy. Incredible joy mind-blowing. This God is amazing. My life is, wow, upgraded. He's just so good. And also, immense pain. Unspeakable, unbearable sometimes. The work of God is two-sided. Great joy, great pain. And in one matter-of-fact response, Mary embraced both. She was the very first person ever to accept Jesus on his own terms, regardless of the personal cost. The first one ever to accept Jesus on his terms, regardless of the personal cost, the cost to her. And we know all throughout Scripture, especially in the New Testament, how we're instructed to be okay with paying the cost. That, that in this world, you will have trouble. You know, take up your cross and follow me. If you want to be first, you got to be last. It's filled scripture. And Mary is the one who showed us how. First. 
She knew both things were happening. Immense pain, confusion, terror, and unbelievable joy. Unbelievable joy. And after all, all of her fear and all of, all of what it would mean for her, the next thing that she does is she breaks out into song. Mary's song, when she says, it, it, it's, it's one of the most famous songs now in history, and it's, it's really like a revolutionary cry. Like a song, it, so controversial that it was literally banned in Guatemala in the 80s. It was removed from Bible. It was not allowed to be spoken because it means it's about us and our king and no government. You, you like, it scared the government at that time in Guatemala, so it was banned. When, when this woman was singing things like, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And she goes on and on. And she says that he fills the hungry with good things. And he humiliates the rich. So the government just says, nope, you're not, we're not doing that. Young, scared, faithful Mary sang that song. My soul magnifies the Lord, she says. My soul magnifies the Lord in the face of this difficulty that I cannot even fathom how it's going to shake out. Uh, yes, my soul magnifies the Lord. Her heart went straight to a posture of worship. And it's not because I'm a worship leader that I want this in your heart. It's because this is the posture of a follower of Jesus. That when we know who he is and we see what he's doing, our response is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break out in song. Worship team, you can come on up. That her, it's a, it's a yes. And it's, it's not, she doesn't go into this place of, well, I'm saying yes to this part. I want the baby and I want the honeymoon in Naples, and I want professional bump photos every week. This I'm good with, but not that part. The thing is though, we can't just do this part. And so often our temptation as believers is that we label what's happening here, the painful side, the difficult part, as trauma or as any, if, if it's uncomfortable or difficult, I'm going to avoid it at all costs because I'm, I don't have to do that. Nope. No, no. I'm, I'm just this part. I want the joy. I want the favor and I want the blessing. But God's like, no, no, no. Even Mary didn't get just this. We, we get all of it. When we are faced with situations where it's like, ooh, this is really hard. Our culture and our nature tells us avoid it at all cost. Don't do hard things. Get away from difficulty, and then you'll be able to just have the good things. And that's the biggest lie and trap that you could walk yourself into. Because if we're not okay with doing the, the, the pain, if we're saying, no, 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 I, that's gross. I don't want to do that. I'm, that's too hard. You're asking too much. This is hard then we're really actually just saying no. I mean, it, it's, it's yes to all of it, or it's really just no. I mean, I, th I think about, you know, those of us with, with special needs children, with, or if you have a child with a disability, what if we looked at our children and we said, yes to the, to the easy parts of you, Ooh, but that, ooh, no, I don't want to do that disability thing. I don't want the special needs and, no. Mm -mm. It's, it's inseparable. What, we're, what we really would be just doing is saying no to the child as a whole. It's no, honey, not you. And I think that we, are, we run such a risk of avoiding the difficult things and so we, we build lives and we're just trying to, I just want the easy, I want the joy, I want the fruit. But you know what the fruit is? It's the fruit of doing the painful things. 
the richness and the fruit and the precious things in life, it is, it is the result of saying yes to both. And it's positioning our hearts as, oh, Lord, yeah, okay. Okay, yes, I'll do it. And sometimes it's with fear and trembling and everything in us is wanting to avoid it. Like, please don't make me do this. And we've all had that moment where you say, no, God, you gotta be kidding me. You're not asking me to do this. I cannot do that. And he says, oh, I am. And I want your yes. And I want your heart. And I want your posture to be, even though I've got questions, God's okay with the questions. But let's not be like Zechariah who questioned God entirely. Mary said, yes, help me understand. How's this going to be? I'm in, but I've got questions. It's okay to have questions. It's so good to have questions. It's a different posture than, oh yeah, prove it. Why are you going to have me do something hard? I thought you were a good God. Okay, yeah, right, so never mind, I'm out. And we so quick, we're so quick to turn away. And then we not only avoid the hard thing, which is what we were trying to do, but we also totally miss out on the good thing, this part. And so then we're kind of living in lives of limbo. It's neither. It's kind of hollow. And Mary had such a rich life. The most important part about Mary's song that I think is so often missed, and I don't want you to miss it, Notice how at the end of it, she switches, everything starting at like verse 51. She says, he has shown strength. He has scattered. He has brought down. He has filled the hungry. He has helped. She's literally speaking in past tense about a promise that has not even been fulfilled yet. She's saying all that God, the, the, her faith is so big that she's already declaring it. It's, it's done. It's been done. It look, it's, it, he did it. He did it. My God came through. My God fulfilled on, he's good on his word. He showed me and he's done this and he's done that. And she's not just talking about the stories that her grandparents told her. She, her posture was, it's done. He, I'm, I'm the girl. It's done. He has done it. He's already done it. And this is before Jesus was even in her womb. She just found out that he was gonna be in her womb. And she already positioned herself to say, it's done, he did it. God sent the Messiah, God's done the, this great thing. And I think so often, church, we need to take that opportunity for ourselves. And instead of st standing back and say, well, maybe he'll do it, I hope he'll do it. I just kind of stand at a distance from the things of God and what he's asking of you. Instead of step all the way into the thing that you maybe really don't want to do, but you know he's asking you to do it, and you stand there terrified, but sure that he's going to make good on his word. So instead of saying, God, he might, I hope he does it, we say, Oh, he did it. He did it. My God came through. That diagnosis, he's healed it. That, that, that tragedy, that, this grave situation, this marriage that looks like it's for sure not going to make it, God redeemed it. God redeemed that marriage. And people around you are like, no, he, he literally didn't. <laughs> and you're like, I know, but oh, he's so good. And it's, it can be a little odd every now and then you feel kind of silly. And I'm not saying we can just like name it and claim it and everything that we say comes to pass. But I am saying it changes your heart and your posture towards the king when we know who he is and what he can do and we can just say, I know who he is. He's been this way always and he's gonna keep doing it because his character doesn't change, so I'm gonna stand on his word. When the doctor came into the room and they said to me, you have to say goodbye to your baby. She will not make it. And I don't want you to miss the opportunity to, to give her a proper goodbye. I said, thank you, thank you for your time. Off you pop. And I stood there like a fool I said, my God has healed my daughter. My God has restored her body. She's made well. She's going to live and she's going to sing of his goodness and she's going to tell of his wonder, wonderful deeds. And the nurse is just kind of slowly backed away. <laughs> oh, that's really uncomfortable for her. But I said, well, I, I, so I'm okay with making you uncomfortable. I want to talk about it later. I don't want to push you away from Jesus. So I want to talk to you. But I said, but it is so important for my daughter what was hanging in the balance? 
I'm not claiming the victory is mine, that she's alive because of me, but I'm saying, church, when we stand firm on the things of God and we say, I know what my God can do, so I'm going to say he's going to do it. I'm going to say he's going to do it. And either way, he's going to do it. Just like he said to Zechariah, he's got his plan, it's in motion, he's doing incredible things. But our, the posture of our heart and what we say yes to, that is where the richness is. And I would venture to say that it's, it's that that gets Mary called blessed among women. I don't think it's because she used her body sacrificially to birth the Messiah. It's a sacrificial gift, absolutely. Anyone who gives birth, it's a, it's a sacrifice. But what got her highly favored is what I want us to learn from, is how I want us to live our lives. It's the kind of church I want us to be. That we say, I know my God and I know what he can do, so I'm gonna say he's gonna do it, and I'm all in, even if it makes me wildly uncomfortable sometimes. And so I just want you to ask yourself, how, how can you find God's favor? What in your life? What is it that, that you're gonna live in such a way that God actually chooses to use you to interpret the brokenness of the world? What if? How can we find favor in the eyes of God? How can we admit our fear and be okay with saying, that scares me to death. I don't wanna do it. And know that that's okay to say. How can we admit that? There's no shame in it. And then how can we say yes? Ultimately, we do have a decision to make. Do we say yes to what God is asking us to do with our lives or do we ignore his interruptions and his invitations? Christians stand in a long line of tradition in which people have said yes to God. The saints and the martyrs all throughout history and the legacy of biblical characters give us tremendous confidence that our yes will not be wasted. And how can you, lastly, sing the song? Sing the song in past tense, though you have not seen it yet. Maybe you'll never see the thing that you're asking for. But how can we sing the song of saying, my God is good, he's great and he's mighty and he's sovereign and he reigns above it all. So in essence, what I'm hoping for is kind of irrelevant because he reigns above everything. He's so above me. I just, what, whatever you say, Lord, I'm in. And what he does in response to that church, I don't want you to miss it. I want it for you. That's your yes to give. It's your story. And I don't want you to miss it. I want us to close with singing a song and I want you to, to take in the lyrics, but as soon as you can, I want you to sing it. And I want you to make that your song. And I want you to claim those words as your words from your heart, postured in a similar way to how Mary did, where she just said, have at it. I'm all yours. I've got questions, but I'm in. How can that be your song today? So let's stand to our feet and let's close with, with this song together. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.